0: What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Sports Three Hundred and Sixty. I'm Jeff Fennell, and I'm here with my man Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports. Rob, what's up? How you
1: doing, brother? Hey, Jeff, how's it going, man?
0: I'm doing good, man. Mets fan. I'm a Mets fan. Everybody knows that who's listening. And um, we went to Atlanta last week. And it was last week. Yeah, last week. Lost three out of four. And still in first place. Earth is still spinning. Sun is still coming up. So, you know, all of those dire, you know, predictions. Oh, you're coming to Atlanta. Okay. Still left in first (laughs) place and still in first place as of right now. But we'll see how long it lasts. But uh, so I'm doing good, man. You know. Mets are still hanging in there. Took three out of four from Philadelphia. But um, how are you doing, man? Um, Have you ordered your couch from, you know, from, from Amazon? Are they bringing it tomorrow? So that <laughs> the Yankee fans need the couch right about now, don't they?
1: We're getting there. We're close to Listen, they're on a one-game winning streak right now. So we're, we're hot. They're on fire right now one and no in their last one game. So I, I, I'll take that, considering the way they've been playing lately. Uh, tough matchup coming up with your Mets. The good thing is, got news, DeGrom is not starting tomorrow, but it's Taiwan Walker, who's still a really good pitcher. So at least it's not Scherzer and DeGrom going against the Yankees. So a little bit of breathing room for tomorrow's game.
0: Yeah, I think primarily the reason why they did that, because if DeGrom pitched tomorrow, he would have missed the Dodgers. Yeah. So I think that's that's kind of what was going on, because um, the Mets have a series coming up soon against the Dodgers, and they certainly want DeGrom to pitch in that series, you know? Absolutely. But they only have two games with the Yankees uh, tonight, as we're recording, and tomorrow. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think trying to, trying to get your best to go up against what is a juggernaut, the Dodgers are a juggernaut, bro. They're
1: unreal, man. They've just, and listen, they, they've been up double digits for as long as I can remember on this division. They may win that division by 20 games, the way they're playing. They're 18 up on San Diego right now. I would not be surprised if they go. 20-plus by the end of the season. They're just such a deep team. They get injured. They withstand those injuries because they just plug guys in. It's it's incredible the, the foundation that team has built and the pipeline they have of talent. It's insane, man.
0: Yeah, it is. And, you know, they just got May back, right? <clears throat> he, he's come back. But, you know, from last week, we were talking about Walker Bueller coming back, but he's not. Right yeah. As it turns out, he's having elbow surgery and he's done for the season. So, you know, that's that's a big loss for them because is one of the better pitchers in in all of baseball. But again, the Dodgers seem to lose players, but don't lose a step. And so that's what makes them. I mean, they're they're just dominant right now, man.
1: Yeah. And like I said, there's such a deep team. Like I've never seen a team that can sit down regulars and their bench guys come in or they just call up these guys from the minors and they don't miss a beat at all. <clears throat> at all. It's insanity. Yeah. It's I mean, it, it's great. The way It's a great model to building a team because, yeah, they spend the money, but they also develop these players, too. So it, it's a great, great model they have going on there in L.A.
0: And as a Yankees fan, I mean, one of the Dodgers right now who seems to be playing pretty well is a former Yankee, Joey Gallo. Um, I don't believe he's over there setting the house on fire, but he's had his moments um, in the short time that he's been in L.A. So as a Yankees fan, how do you look at that? What, what, What kind of feelings do you have when you see Joey Gallo going over there and having some success there that he did not have this year in the Bronx?
1: I'm actually really happy for Gallo. It seemed like he just couldn't, I don't want to say couldn't handle New York because um, that makes it seem negative on him. But I, I think the the pinstripes were heavy for him. And listen, he's a, he's a good player in Texas. Um, obviously he's the, the true, the three true outcome type of player with the strikeout, the walks, the home runs. Um, so what you see is what you get from him. And that wasn't happening in New York uh, for whatever reason. And the moment he left, it's, I'm assuming for him felt like a, a weight lifted off his shoulders because um, I think he hit a home run like in his first or second game after getting traded. He's continued to hit home runs. He's making good defensive plays. I think it's last night he threw someone out at the plate mm-hmm. from left field. Yeah. Um, so he seems like he's catching that stride again. And and it's weird because, you know, he is in L.A. It's not like it's a small market team. He didn't get traded to, to the Marlins or the Pirates or something like that. He's in LA and he's, he's thriving. He's doing, he's doing a good job there. And I'm happy for him that he's, he's, you know, doing what he does. Um, unfortunately, it didn't happen in New York. It would have been great because I think he was a great addition when they traded for him. And I think he would have fit that middle of the lineup in New York perfectly with, you know, in between judge and Stan and with Rizzo there and all those guys. Um, but good for him. I'm glad he's able to, to salvage what's left of the season and, and help LA. Again, adding to how deep that team
0: is. Right. Right. But let's get back to your Yankees, though. What do they have to do? I mean, <clears throat> they're not at the point, Rob, where they have to salvage their season. But it, I, I think when you're a good team, and the Yankees are a good team, it's hard to justify and be okay with playing as poorly as they have as long as they have, um, and and the thing that really is striking to me is how many times they've been shut out, and how many times they've just been kept under three runs. It's it it's almost as if they've become a punchless team, uh, and I that's the part I don't understand. Like what's happened to the Yankees
1: bats? They they just lost their stride, and I don't know if it's maybe they overachieved too much I guess to start the season and you know everyone was talking about oh are they better than the 98 Yankees and all this stuff and I'm like wait a minute (laughs) because if you were alive to see the the 98 Yankees you know that team was a juggernaut those 90 Yankees are, are not to be compared especially with teams today but maybe the Yankees overachieved a little maybe some of their guys you know aside from Aaron Judge you know were playing out of their minds. It's almost similar to, I compare it to like what the San Francisco Giants were doing last year, where every single person played like to their career best and led them to 100 plus games uh, winning for the season. So maybe that was going on, but listen, this team is capable of putting together another run similar to what they had at the beginning of the season. I have no doubt. There's talent up and down that roster that just, it's not clicking at the moment. And I think you see it more with pitchers adjusting, um, to not pitch to Aaron Judge because guys like a Rizzo are now struggling. Uh, guys in front of Judge are struggling. You know, they're kind of trying to figure out who the leadoff hitter is going to be with DJ LeMahieu and then Ben Intendi jumping in there. Sometimes Aaron Judge let off. Um, so I think once you get that collective unit around Judge to start hitting the ball, you know, the Gleyber Torres, the the Rizzo's again. And when Giancarlo comes back, hopefully at some point this week, I think we'll then see that collective unit begin to hit the ball, put the ball in play, and just play Yankee baseball again. Because like you said, they're playing playing poorly right now. There's no other way around it. Their last, we can even go back maybe 30 games and say, this is not the team we saw prior to the All-Star break. And, you know, I'm not ready to panic just yet. I said my magic number to panic is if they go to five games up in the division. Right now they're at eight. But once they hit five hopefully they don't that's when i'll hit my panic button. um but they need to, to fix things up quick because their pitching seems, seems to be coming around now we need the hitting to do the same thing
0: yeah the hitting you know has to has to improve definitely and right now the reports are that stanton will go back on thursday so that would be a welcome addition to that lineup because they need someone, you know, to to help jumpstart them.
1: And who yeah, knows? And think, you know,
0: they're they're facing Scherzer tonight, <clears throat> but who knows? I mean, it could be one of those things where that's where they break out. As unlikely as it may seem, you know what I mean that that could yeah. be the type of thing that 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 happens. But, um, yeah, but they they do need to they need they they need to turn it around. Offensively, And I know Boone has expressed some real frustration over the past several games as, you know, the Yankees were in that tailspin because, I mean, they lost the first two against uh, Tampa Bay and they needed that walk off grand slam from Donaldson to capture that last game. And then they lost the net, you know, they had a four game set against Toronto and lost the first three games. And, you know, so for anyone who thought that that walk-off Grand Slam was going to be a momentum creator, it wasn't, right? Um, And so the frustrations built up again, including what I thought was an overreaction yesterday by Garrett Cole when Manoa hit Aaron Judge with a pitch. Cole comes out kind of. He kind of came out of the dugout <laughs> like he wanted to do a little something. And that's why Manoa said, listen, you really want to do something? Come past the Audi sign. <laughs> that's
1: on the yeah. field. You know. The, um, because Manoa Garrett, is, a big, is a big boy, man.
0: Right. And, and Garrett Cole, <laughs> I think, remembered that yeah. after he bounced out the dugout. He's like, he like bounced out the dugout. Like, and then he said, oh, 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 where am I going? And then he stopped. Nobody was even around him to stop him. And I'm like, okay, Garrett, get back in the dugout.
1: I'll give Garrett Cole this credit. He does do that almost every time. He's the first guy out there. But listen, man, Manoa is, I think he's 6'6", like 260. That's a big dude. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of it was the emotion of the game. And I get it. There's, There's frustration in there, in that clubhouse. And I like the way Aaron Judge handled the situation, too where he, you know, he said some stuff because it was up and in again. Uh, Like, I think it was the first inning. It was up and in. He didn't get hit in the first inning, but it was up and in on him. And then it happened again, and obviously he got hit. And they kind of just settled it between them. Um, Everyone in the world knew that wasn't intentional at all. I don't think it was intentional. Judge knew it wasn't intentional. But um, I'm kind of glad to see some fire in that clubhouse. At least I know that there's a pulse in there, you know? And they're I just the, hope it's
0: real fire, though, Rob. Yeah, you know what that, I mean? That's I hope it's thing. real fire and not like that fake fire that, you know, you get in, them, you know, in fireplaces where you, you turn it on with a remote yeah. control. <laughs> 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 I mean, was this – did, 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 did Garako hit the remote control yeah. or did he rub some sticks together and get a spark, really? You know what I mean? Some real fire, you know? Yeah. So that, that's the thing I wonder. But, but the bottom line is, man, you just got to win baseball games. I think you Me win too. baseball games, you know, it takes care of a whole lot of things. But um, we'll see what happens. I mean, Mets-Yankees tonight and tomorrow, um, Subway Series. Um, but my Mets have been playing pretty well, despite losing three or four in Atlanta. Um, in the last game, they lost 3-2, to two where DeGrom and um, Max Fried battled. And DeGrom ended up with the loss, Um I mean, he gave up an infield single with two outs, I think. And, and then he was taken out. And Seth Lugo comes in. And see, this is the funny thing about baseball. It's, it's, they will lose. They will, it was a 2-2 game. And um, Vaughn Grissom was on first base. And Michael Harris hit on a 3-2 pitch, hit a what would have been just a single, really, but they were playing so deep. They were playing no doubles defense. And it kind of was in one of those no man's land type thing. Mm -hmm. And because it was 3-2, Vaughn Grissom was running on the pitch. And Nimmo really didn't charge the ball in center field. And Grissom scored all the way from first base. And I just said to myself, you see, but this is, part of that was created by getting to a 3-2 count. Yeah. And... You know, um, Lugo is one of those guys who seems to have not met a full count that he doesn't like. You know what I mean? Like he is—he's mm-hmm. always nibbling and nibbling. Yeah. And next thing you know, you have a three-two count, and it changes the dynamic of the game. And that's why I really appreciate pitchers like Degrom and Scherzer. And even—even even though I don't like that kid from Atlanta, but that um Spencer Strider. One of the things I like about him, though, he just wants to throw strikes. And I think you need more pitchers who are just who are looking to throw strikes, because I think there are too many who try to throw the perfect pitch, always trying to paint the corner or trying to get a guy to chase. And the next thing you know, your pitch count is up. You got a bunch of full counts. And it changes the game situation. So um, but then, look, the Mets still, you know, they they bounced back from losing three or four in Atlanta, and they took three or four um, from Philadelphia. Who, by the way, the Phillies are going to get Bryce Harper back soon. He's, I think, on his way to doing a rehab assignment, I believe. So that's good yeah. news for them. They need him back.
1: They do desperately, man. That guy, listen, he signed that contract in Philly, and he lived up to it. That guy, it, when he when he's healthy, he's tearing the cover off the ball, and Philly will love to have him back in that lineup, especially you know coming up to September and fighting for that wild card. Yeah, because it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a tight race with those with that well, Milwaukee right there or St. Mm-hmm. Louis depending on
0: what oh happens there. Gosh. But you had to mention St.
1: Louis,
0: <laughs> and St. Louis has won seven games in a row. Albert you know. Pujols, he's hot. Pujols, man. Pujols for the win. 692 home runs. So it's not out of the realm. But the, at the All-Star break, when he had five home runs, I thought no way in the world is Albert Pujols going to get the 20 or 21 home runs he needs on the season to get to 700, right? I said, no way. Just no way. And now he's only eight home runs shy. I'm pulling He's going to do, do
1: it. He's going to do it. Man, I I had a feeling that home run derby changed up that swing. He's just gunning for home runs. He doesn't even care if he's on base. He just wants to hit the home runs.
0: Yeah, but I'm pulling for him. Not pulling for St. Louis, but I'm pulling for him. And I'm pulling (laughs) for Bryce Harper, not because I like him and not because I like the Phillies, but because the Phillies and the Mets are done for the season. So I hope the Phillies get hot. I hope Bryce Harper comes back on a tear. And I hope he takes it out on the Braves, and he does it in Philly and in Atlanta. <laughs> I'm never gonna forget that. Every time I, every time I go, <laughs> I'm gonna do that all the time. That guy was just so ridiculous. I got to find out his name. I think it's Chip Carey. That one of the most over the top announcers. And and if I have his name wrong, I don't want to, you know. I gotta get his name. I I will get I'll look it I'll look him up. Then I can poke some fun at him. Um <laughs> man because he just thinks like Atlanta is a house of horrors and stuff. I I tell you what though, <clears throat> you know what's a house of horrors? It's going to be football right here in good old North Carolina. Because mm-hmm. Panthers announced. Carolina Panthers announced that none other than Baker Mayfield is going to be their starting quarterback. I'm telling you right now, Baker Mayfield, I I said it before, Baker Mayfield is not a guy. He's not. I don't believe he's the type of quarterback that's going to get any NFL team to the promised land. So Carolina named him the starter. Let's just let the season play out. But I'm going on record right now saying Baker Mayfield is not a winning quarterback in the NFL. I'm not saying he can't win any games, but he's not going to win the Super Bowl for sure. And I don't think Baker Mayfield can even get a team to the Super Bowl. I think he's one of the most overrated players in recent times. So, um, Anyway, we'll see what happens with Baker Mayfield, but I'm expecting a little bit of House of Horrors down here in Atlanta. In Atlanta. (laughs) I got that on my brain. (laughs) In Charlotte uh, and in North Carolina as as the year goes on. But really, man, what do you think about Baker Mayfield? Man, you think Baker Mayfield is the type of guy that can take a team, forget making the playoffs, but make a serious run at the Super Bowl?
1: Listen, that team would have to be stacked. And I'm talking about maybe if he was on the Rams, maybe he has a shot, but he's not the guy. Um, I don't think he's ever been the guy. He had a good stretch at one point. And that's kind of what everyone's holding on to. He's like, oh, he had a good, I don't know if it was like eight games or something like that at one point in the season. He had a great eight games. He's Mm -hmm. the guy. You just got to give him some more time. And it's like, well, Tim Tebow had a good stretch too, and he wasn't a good quarterback, so let's not make that argument. But no, I mean, is he a number one? I guess on a team like Carolina, but he's he's not the guy. He's not going to bring you to the promised land. He's not going to lead a team. He'll win you a couple games here and there, but that's a that, that's a that's the most you'll get out of Baker Mayfield. A couple wins that maybe he throws a winning touchdown pass. Maybe he leads a good drive or something like that. But to go on a big stretch, a big playoff run, not the guy you want under center.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I think when you said, you, unless you have a great defense or a great team around him, I, I, I kind of think of Trent Dilfer when, mm. when he was on the Ravens. But yeah. they really didn't need him because the Ravens' defense was so dominant. But how many teams do you have like that? You know? Like,
1: that that defense was something
0: different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it certainly Man. was. They would score more than the offense did. You yeah. Know? So if he was on a team like that, yeah, perhaps. But because teams like the Ravens don't come along every every day, um, I don't see. And and the Panthers certainly are no Baltimore Ravens, you no know, Super Bowl champ Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. then I just don't see Baker Mayfield doing it. But anyway, he's the starting quarterback here in, in, uh, Carolina. And it's interesting, right? And, Cause another quarterback who took his place in Cleveland, obviously has been making news. And since we've been on the air last Deshaun Watson and the NFL settled, uh, you know, their, their, uh, dispute, their, their grievance, um, and Deshaun Watson agreed to an 11-game suspension, a huge fine, $5 million. And, of course, he's going to undergo the obligatory counseling um, that comes in situations like this. So what were your thoughts on the settlement?
1: I I guess I wasn't surprised that it came to a settlement. Um, I'm on the record of last week saying I think he should have got at least the full season, if not more. Um, I guess the settlement was a way to avoid that from the players' union side and and come to that agreement where at least he gets suspended more than the original. And I believe it was six games, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, yeah, I guess, I mean, I'm not happy with it. I wish he would have gotten at least the season, and then we'll we'll make that discussion and determination if that's enough or if he's going to get more past that. Uh, but that was my initial reaction. It was, you know, I was I was hoping for the full season at the very least.
0: Yeah, you know, I I thought it was no way he was going to play in the NFL this year. You know, we, we both mentioned that last week. Uh, if his case proceeded on appeal, uh, the NFL had appealed the six-game suspension that was handed down by the original arbitrator. <clears throat> and so, you know they appointed uh, you know a second arbitrator to hear the appeal and it just seemed that the fix was in that Deshaun Watson was going to get more than or at least a year um as as a suspension and so i think the handwriting was on the wall so i can see why he wanted to settle and i think the nfl wanted to settle in order to get this out of the public eye i really yeah. uh, you know to to not have the case continuing to hang out there to have the periodic comments that you're going to have and the analysis that you're going to have, and then you're going to have the hearing and coverage of the hearing and all the rest of it. And I thought, you know, from their standpoint, they said, well, if we can get some additional gains on Deshaun Watson, um, but then take this out of public view while he goes away for what turns out to be 11 games, that would be better for us. Um, And from Watson's standpoint, 11 is better than 17, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so to me, that that was what was at play here. Um, And, you know, and now we just move on. You know, I I, I think that, um, you know, I was not of any opinion Of how many games he should or should not get, only because I don't know what the evidence is. You you know what I'm saying? Like you know, you read Mm -hmm. the reports, but media reports and legal evidence are not the same thing. You know, very different. For me, I, i I had no I had no sense of what was right, or you know what I mean. It just seemed to me, though, I was surprised when he only got six games initially because. I just didn't think based on what I read and based on what we've seen in the past uh, with some suspensions that he would only get six, but in the end he's getting 11. Um, And of course when he's eligible to return, the opponent is going to be the Houston Texans. So, (laughs) you, you know, there's some beat writers right now working up, trying to come up with a catchy headline, you know, for, that game Um, yep but anyway i mean i i'm kind of glad that it's resolved at least legally um again i don't know what happened um factually and just because the legal case is over doesn't mean the effects are over especially for the victims so you know those things linger Sports tends to, you know, just want to report on things and move on. But life's not like that. And so who knows what's going on with any of the victims there. Um But the legal case is now over, it, it appears. And, you know, Deshaun will sit out for a while.
1: Yeah. And like you said, you know, at least at this point, it, it is settled. Um, It is what it is. It's not nothing that's nothing's going to change at this point. You know, he has his 11 games. He got the fine. Um, I think, like I said last week as well, you know, both sides being Watson and the Browns. I think they both expected some type of lengthy suspension. Um, Maybe they were surprised to see the six games and obviously the NFL going into this. And then, yeah, let's settle for 11 games because I'll take 11 over what could possibly be. Uh, a whole season and stuff like that. So, um, like you, yeah, I'm glad this is settled in this in this realm. Um, but you know, you still feel for the victims of, of all this and hope that they're able to find their way of moving on as well, um, whatever that may be.
0: Right, right. Speaking of moving on and 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 feeling for the victim, um, even though. I guess some will say Brittany Griner is not a victim. Others will disagree and say that she is. You know whether it's a victim of, of global politics or or other things. But you know the as we would spoke about last week, it seems as if things were moving in the right direction and are moving in the right direction for her eventual release. Um, seems like the United States and Russia <clears throat> have engaged and are engaging in some discussions that hopefully would will result in britney Griner coming home and just when you know you you look at that and you think there's a glimmer of hope you sent me one of the most troubling text messages i have gotten in a long time <laughs> and you folded to me an article that said, none other than that esteemed diplomat, Dennis the Worm Rodman, says he now has permission to travel to Russia to somehow help Brittany Griner. When I saw that, I, I, I had a mixture of amazement and anger. You know, because I'm just thinking to myself, he hasn't, I don't think he has any positive contribution to make here. I think he can, you know, he he can only be a distraction. Make the, th- you know, he's a farce to me, Dennis Rodman, especially yeah. in the arena uh, and given the seriousness of what, you know, everyone's been talking about for months And now here he comes and he says he has permission from who? I don't know. To go to Russia to help Brittany Griner. How? I I, I hope somehow he's kept home and does not get into the middle of this at all. Because I don't see anything good coming from his involvement.
1: Not at all, man. It's going to turn into a clown show, honestly, um, if he gets involved any more than what he's already involved. Just him coming out saying that just – it makes – like you said, it's a mixture of, like, frustration and, like, you can't help but almost laugh. And it makes the U.S. seem like a joke, especially in such a serious situation that um, Dennis Rodman is coming out saying, uh, basically, I I got her. I'll handle this. Don't worry – President Biden, don't worry, everyone. I got this. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. And I hope that whoever it is locks this man up somewhere until this is resolved the correct way. Um, But, yeah, man, I, I don't know who gave him permission. I don't know where he thought up this idea. But keep this man as far away from Russia and the Brittany Griner situation as humanly possible.
0: Yeah. Look, I know athletes want to be entertainers and entertainers want to be athletes. And, you know, you see a lot of crossover there, but I don't think any athlete or someone or entertainer or anyone who is not and has not worked their whole life to operate on the global stage in terms of diplomatic relations, politics, on, and all the rest of it, should get involved. I just Not at know. all. Um, and I think it goes without saying that Dennis Rodman doesn't have those types of qualifications. Um, so, yeah, I think, I'm hoping that was an attempt by him to just simply grab a cheap headline, but that he otherwise stays out of it, you know. Um, So we'll see what happens there, but hopefully, you know, he will stay out of this situation. Um, Another basketball story, though, the Knicks and the the, um, uh, Utah Jazz reportedly have resumed discussions on a possible trade uh, for Donovan Mitchell, the, for the Knicks to to acquire Donovan Mitchell, and the and the reports mentioned Obi Toppin and uh, Evan Fournier being the the frontliners uh, as far as players going to to Utah, along with five number one five draft choices, first round draft choices. But the the report that I saw, Rob said that the Knicks will also send other players. And that part really troubled me because who are those other players? Because if it's Quickly, if it's Quentin Grimes, I think that's not a good trade for the Knicks. I just don't want to see them give up so many young players. I don't mind Evan Fournier going. I wouldn't mind if Julius Randle went. But I don't think they should give up too many young players as much as i like donovan mitchell who's a young player himself i just don't think the knicks should give up too many former players plus all of those draft picks in order to get donovan
1: yeah my my biggest fear is that this donovan mitchell trade if it gets done it seems like the knicks are really the only team that have been mentioned especially recently But my fear is this trade becomes similar to the Carmelo Anthony trade when he was with Denver, Mm -hmm. where the Knicks had something good going. They had a – seemed like a good nucleus. And then they traded everybody to Denver and got Carmelo Anthony. And the team was basically in shambles. Yeah, they made the playoffs a couple times, but there was nothing else to build on because they traded away their depth. They traded away the young guys. So you basically had to fill the roster up with a bunch of veterans. And if that didn't pan out, then you're out in the first round. So um, that's my biggest fear with this trade, that it turns into the Carmelo Anthony trade part two, where you trade all these assets, you set the franchise back 10, 15 years again, and we've had enough suffering in New York. I think Donovan is a great player. I think if, if it's tough for me to give up Toppin, because I like the kid, but I would like to see, like you said, I would like to see who those other players are that are being talked about and involved in this trade.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because if, if they're talking quickly and, and, and Grimes in particular, no, I I would say don't do this deal.
1: And And those aren't considered other players either. Those are significant pieces on the Knicks.
0: (laughs) Sure. Sure. It's not like you're going deep on your bench and, and, you know, moving guys. I I just think that the Knicks do the Knicks have a team going into the season as of right now to contend for the Eastern Conference title? No, they don't. But Stranger things have happened but they don't. They're a very young team um, and if they are going to get to that elite level, they're going to have to add talent. They're going to have to At a Donovan Mitchell type superstar, right? Because none of the elite teams in the East or in in the West are without, you know, one or more elite players. You have to have them. Yeah. The Knicks right now, they do have a lot of good young players. There's a lot of potential on that team, but... I don't think they have an elite player on their team right now. So I get it that, you know, you want to get Donovan Mitchell. I just don't want to give up too much to get him. And maybe that's just an unrealistic set of expectations. You know what I mean? That, you know, <clears throat> to get an elite player like Donovan, you're, you're going to have to really give up some assets. Um, I'm just hoping that one of these days, the Knicks can actually draft their own elite player, you know, their own John ja Morant, their own Steph Curry, you know what I mean? Their own Donovan Mitchell, you know, their own Giannis, you know what I mean? Why can't they draft their own,
1: you know what I mean? And it, it never happens. We either just miss out on those players or it just never happens. And I don't know if it's the player, dev- and, and not even because that, that organization has seen an overhaul everywhere. So it's like, are we just hiring the wrong people? Are we just not – we don't know how to develop certain players? Do we not play to their strengths? And, you know, I'm not sure why it is that the Knicks, to this day, have not been able to develop a player. Maybe since – I want to say Patrick Ewing, maybe. I'm about to say. (laughs) I can't even think of a guy who was drafted by the Knicks and became a star on the Knicks. I can't think of one.
0: Patrick Ewing's the last one. And think about how long ago that was. Yeah. And that lottery money, people say was rigged by the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that the Knicks could get the number one pick, but you know, from a draft standpoint, no, I mean, have the Knicks drafted some nice players? Yes. They drafted going back to what you were talking about with, um with the Carmelo Anthony trade, they had Gallinari, they had Wilson Chandler, and those guys, you know, Wilson Chandler, you know, had a good run for a few years. Gallinari is still playing. Oh, if he didn't yeah. have back issues, probably would have really been special. Um, so and that was during the Isaiah Thomas era, I believe, because Isaiah Thomas had an eye for talent. Say what you yeah, want about other aspects of his, you know, administrative and management skills, but he 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 has an eye for talent. But the Knicks have not drafted a superstar they haven't drafted they haven't drafted a, a player who really even not even being a superstar has been a difference maker um in i don't know how long um but i you know i just you know there's a part of me that wants the knicks to be able to to do that and now understanding that as as they're currently constituted it may take two or three years before the knicks kind of challenge seriously in the east so they're going to need some players I guess the one thing Rob to think about is if Donovan Mitchell comes there you know and they already have Brunson in the fold do the Knicks become an attractive destination for would be free agents or free
1: you know And that's the big piece. That's kind of what the Knicks have been lacking in recent years. It's free agents not wanting to go. And, you know, we thought maybe perhaps the Amari Stoudemire, you know, obviously he had his his issues with the the knee injuries, but maybe him coming over and siding there was going to bring people and trading for Melo. And it didn't really work. You know, they, they ended up stuck with Amari's contract. Melo obviously ended up getting dealt. That turned into a mess after Phil Jackson came in. It's just man, something has to something has to happen. I think this season there's a lot of pressure on RJ Barrett. If he's not moved or anything, if he sticks with New York. There's a lot of pressure on him to take that next step. And I think this is the year because you know he has to the rookie extension for him is coming up. And if they don't trade for Donovan Mitchell, he's going to be looked at as the guy and i think he has to take that next step and prove that okay i'm worth this maybe i can be that guy who develops into that next star and i mean defensively he's he's really good defensively i just need his offensive game his efficiency to really improve this year
0: mhm yeah <clears throat> and i think he like you i think he has the ability to get better um and i think he'll be a solid player in in the nba i don't think he's A dynamic player, you know. He's not a Jason Tatum. He's not a John Morant. You know. He's not an Anthony Edwards. You know. You look at those guys and you go,
1: yeah. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) These guys are (laughs) are special. You know. Um, You know. I think that RJ Barrett's a nice piece, Um, but you know. But in any event, we'll see what happens. Uh, You know, when the when the trade talks died down initially, I thought that was it. I thought, you know, the Jazz had overplayed their hand and they were looking for too much, um, you know, and I said, well, good. Now now the Knicks aren't in that situation where they have to make the decision as to whether or not to give up, you know, all of this young talent. But now that the talks have resumed, I kind of feel that the Knicks are going to end up with Donovan Mitchell. I just hope they don't overpay for him. You're going to have to pay a lot, but don't overpay for him. And I don't know what that is until I see it. (laughs) You know what I mean? But, you know, um, don't overpay for him. I think one of the good things is the Knicks put Fournier in the deal. Yeah, I mean, because I think that's their way of saying you're not getting all of our young players. You know, you're going to have to take on an albatross of the contract. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, yeah, because the Fournier contract is <clears throat> Eric Fournier is not. A, Evan Fournier is not a good he's a, he's a He's an NBA player, so he's good. But yeah, the Knicks. Can yeah. Be, they they can move on from him easily.
1: Yeah, he won't be missed. I think what what really messed things up, I think, with this, and and I think Donovan Mitchell, obviously, we spoke about it, a great talent, great player, um, was that Rudy Gobert trade and how much they got back and the value Mm -hmm. they got back. And then you kind of have to compare. It's like, uh, who's the better player? Like, obviously, Gobert does great things defensively, and Donovan Mitchell does things offensively, but Donovan Mitchell can change a game you know, in ways that Rudy Gobert can't. So I think receiving that, that those amount of assets in the Rudy Gobert trade really made Danny Ainge and the Jazz say, wait a minute, we got this for Gobert, who's a defensive specialist uh, in a way. What can we get for this rising superstar right now? Let's try to make suckers out of somebody and get as much as we can. So like you said, I hope the Knicks don't overpay They are going to have to pay a hefty price because it is Donovan Mitchell. But hopefully, you know, they don't gut the whole team and basically have to start from scratch in a couple of years.
0: Yeah, especially because I still think with Donovan Mitchell, they still have some pieces that they're going to need to add in order to be a real contender. Yeah. Anyway, lastly, man, on the KD front, you know, One of the more recent rumors I saw was that the Memphis Grizzlies have expressed interest in Kevin Durant. Don't know how serious that interest is, but I do believe that the Grizzlies, which is interesting for the Knicks, you know, Rob, in a sense, because the Grizzlies have a lot of young talent Mm -hmm. and they have a dynamic player in John Moran. And if the Grizzlies really are interested in Kevin Durant, it could be a signal that they realize that, yes, we have all of this young talent, but do we have the type of talent that can seriously contend with a golden state? You know what I mean? And whoever comes out of the East, do we really have that? Or do we need to go from having a roster full of very good young players and John Morant and, and, and transform to where maybe we don't have as many good young players, but we replace a couple of them, a couple or three of them, with a future Hall of Famer like Kevin Durant and team him with John Morant while we still have a few of those good young players to surround those two with, you know what I'm saying. So, in other words, let's not just have a, a roster full of potential and athleticism and youth. We might have to do a little bit more if we truly are going to contend. And if that's the signal that they're, you know, sending, even if it's you know implicit, if they're sending that, that could be something that the Knicks have to think about as well. You, you know what I mean? That a roster full of 20-somethings is great in a sense, but does it get you anywhere?
1: Yeah, that's a great, great point. And I think that what makes the difference is John ja Morant being the type of player he is, being as dynamic and as great as he is, and a guy who's ascended each year he's been in the league, right? So mm-hmm. I think when you have that opportunity and you have that kind of player... I think at some point you look at a franchise, and listen, they had a great season last year. I think you get to a point where you're like, what you're saying, we're we're this good, Is but this may be our ceiling, you know, 56 wins, you know, but not making it to the promised land. Maybe that's our ceiling with this group. Let's substitute, let's say, three guys and, and seven first-round picks and get Kevin Durant in there. Now we're something, now we mean business. Now we pair John Morant and Kevin Durant together with a, maybe they keep, you know, a Desmond Bain or something like that with that nucleus, with that roster, that's a whole different team. And now they can compete with the golden States or, you know, we'll see what the Lakers come back as or with the Clippers, with Kawhi coming Mm -hmm. back and Paul George. Now they can compete with them because they have a number one, a legitimate one and two who are really going to be a force in that Western conference. So I like that. I like that it, listen, that's a if he's able to go on there, that that's a team to watch out for, man, because they're already a great team. And adding him on depending on who they trade away could be the difference.
0: Yeah, and as you sort of suggested, you know, is it gonna take seven seven, you know, first round <laughs> picks, right? Because if Donovan Mitchell is get if Rudy Gobert got four and the talk right now is Mitchell, you know, garnering five picks plus players. I mean, what does Kevin Durant You know he what did. I mean? And I think that's the trouble with the, with trying to trade Kevin Durant. I don't know who, who has the assets to really do it. You know, the
1: Thunder, Oklahoma City. They that's have like true. That's 45 true. first
0: round picks. But Kevin Durant is not going back <laughs> to Oklahoma City. No. <laughs> you know, it, you can't even make a record out of that. At least the Jackson Finals, no. I'm going back to Indiana. You can't say I'm going back to <laughs> Oklahoma City,
1: <laughs> man.
0: He, he's not coming, he's not going back there. No. But um, but we'll see, man. I, you know, again, got to keep an eye on our Knicks, and you know, just hopefully they don't give up the house. Um, yeah. But it would be nice to have um, a talented player like Donovan Mitchell in the fold. So we'll see how that goes. All right, brother. Well, that's it for us, man. Um. Yankees-Mets, the game has started, so um, it seems like there's no no weather issues. That there was talk that there might be some weather issues tonight, so hopefully there will not be. And um, I'm hoping the Mets just come out of there with a split because it's tough to play in Yankee Stadium. So If they can come out taking one and the Yankees take the other one, that'll, that'll be good enough. At this at this stage, but um, and then after them. that, I hope your Yankees go on a winning streak. I do. No, I, I need a,
1: streak. I need a sweep now. I need them to sweep. No, nah, to sweep pitching No, tomorrow.
0: no, no, <laughs> no. Whoever you got after the match, sweep them, sweep, man. Sweep them, but leave my match. <laughs> leave my match alone. They're still trying to get over their their trip to. Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm never gonna forget that. Oh, All right, man. brother. Well, listen, man. Good, good, good chatting with you, man. And we're gonna come back next week, and we're gonna do this again. We're gonna come back with a new and improved edition of Sports 360. But until then, you take care, man. And we'll we'll chop it up next time. Take it easy, brother.